shoot, good evening. I just moved my face out of the way. You're all by yourself on the screen because I minimized. Hey, it's a open. <laughs> it's it's after service and the screen's messed up because I moved my screen. Now I'm back. There you go. High quality production after service open door community church featuring Pastor Brian Ricketts and me. It's Joe. A, it's the a worship me, guy. Mario. <laughs> Joe the worship guy. Yeah. Man, I I had almost just, no voice. I'm sorry, I'm distracted by your dog, which oh. nobody can see is is trying to get comfortable. <laughs> yeah, Murphy dog. Let's see if we can. Nope, can't do it. All right. Well, yeah, Murphy's Murphy's getting old, and uh, it's hard for him to get comfortable. And so he ne- he'll nest for five minutes, and he'll finally collapse from exhaustion. But uh, whoever's watching, somebody out there, um, yeah, it's a dog you can't see. Anyway, it's a dog you can't see. So, uh, yeah, you know, this past Sunday, I don't know if it's allergies or air quality or what, but man, I had to fight through some horse uh, vocals. It was uh, I, I I was challenged uh, at work yeah, this tell. Sunday. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I actually changed the way I sing to oh. a more legitimate. So singing voice, you know, which I I tend to make fun of when other people do it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, well, anyway, a uh, couple questions. Have you seen, uh, did you go to the movies to see uh, Shang-Chi? No, I know it's good. I've heard it's good. Yeah. Have you seen it? Nope. No, I mean, I'm probably going to have to. Because I'm feeling cheap lately, I'm probably gonna wait till it gets on uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, you you know it's you know there's some remarkable rewards to those people who are willing to delay gratification. You know, like uh, if you like, uh, I remember talking to Sam about video games and how much certain games cost right when they come out, but if you wait like six eight months, they're like a third of the price or whatever. Yeah. If you can hold, you know, but that's not always a viable option or whatever, but I feel that way. I mean, there's certain movies that I'm just so excited to see. And yeah. there's others that I'm like, eh, I don't know. When's it free? Speaking, speaking of which, we saw a Disney movie recently that was significantly better than I thought. And it was Cruella. Oh. Have you seen that? No. Um I, the reviews that I saw were pretty lukewarm, and I, it wasn't something I I, 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 I love uh, Emma Emma Stone Tell Emma me. Stone yeah I almost said Emma Watson I, yeah. I thought it was actually one of the best movies I've seen in a while. It actually had a good story, and you know how I feel about story; it's got to have a good plot. The plot made sense. It was a good, intricate, thoughtful story. Yeah, I mean. Acting in certain cases were so-so, but that's okay. I mean, it, the the plot carried it. I, it kept my attention. So I oh. would encourage you to do that. And Derek is saying it was really good, Joe. Thanks, Derek. All right. <laughs> Two thumbs up, one from Pastor Brian, one from Derek. So, all right. Um, is, it, is it free on Disney? Disney Plus, yeah. Okay, good. Well, in that case... <laughs> then, I, then it's probably worth my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was worth our money. We came away going, yeah, that may have been worth spending, you know, the 30 bucks to get it ahead of time. So, yeah. And I think you guys paid 30 bucks to watch another movie where you went. Uh-huh. Mm. 
Oh, yeah. it was. Yeah, there's been a couple of them. Like, so, so we, this is why we didn't for this one because it was like, okay, we've been burned too many times. We're not going to. But this we, one was uh, worth it. This we, was good. We were camping. I think it was in July, and Raya and the Last Dragon was available on Disney Plus, and we watched about twenty minutes, and we all went. I think that was one of them that Jesse paid for, and it's like, no, they saw that in the theater. I think. Yeah. It was just trying so hard to be hip, you know, yeah. and to no. be uh, relevant in that stuff. And, and, and we weren't having it. I mean, Sam's like, really? Right. I mean, who? Did was... you stop before it got worse if you only watched 20 minutes? All right. Yeah. I'm, I haven't seen it. Jesse says about, about three fourths of the way through, the initial plot point is completely resolved and they start a completely new one. Yeah, like the woman who's the bad guy is all of a sudden not the bad guy and something I like don't know that. what it I don't know, but she says it's it's like what does this have to do with anything? So yeah, don't watch that movie. Yeah. yeah but quite. we should probably yeah. talk about something Yeah. Else. Well, yes, yes. Well, so here's the thing is that we've got a title of the sermon from Sunday that's a bit provocative and I mean that, you know, I mean Naked glory, you know, which is how we come into the world, you know. Uh, So, uh, but we're talking about transfiguration. We're talking about the transfiguration. And the idea of it is, is this is a place where Jesus exposes his true glory, who he really is. Um, In that sense, naked, you know, just unclothing the human a uh, 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 sense of him just being like everybody else and and the disciples get to see oh this is who you are jesus and they see his glory so the transfiguration and there's so many pieces to this you know one of the things with teaching is you struggle you can if you if you know your material well enough it's it's to struggle and what do you say and what you don't say and I hinted at a lot of it because I wanted to give because I just I couldn't help but put it in there the the Exodus themes, the spiritual warfare themes. I ended up I mean, we could talk about the 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 the, uh, the Genesis and, and Eden one, which is what I I settled with because I thought that would be the most applicable. So I, yeah. it, what made me think of for myself was when Moses saw. God, though not, Mm -hmm. you know, not fully, but he came down, he was still glowing, you know. Yeah. And that, you know, and also the word awesome in the way that it's intended to be used in that your mouth drops to the floor, you are overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with this. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to put it into distinct, relatable terms, you know, uh, where like, okay, what's my analogy that people today are going to be able to connect, connect with this. And, um, you know, what pops into my head and it's kind of ridiculous, but is like, if there's a guy you've been hanging out with for years and all of a sudden says, Oh, I used to play professional football. And you're like, whatever. And then you're out like doing a pickup game and he like throws the ball 60 yards and you're like, Oh, I'm a fool. Okay. I mean, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, you Your perspective changes yeah. dramatically. And, and, yeah. and, the, and the way you relate 
changes there too, where, you know, we we're relating to people based on, you know, I, okay. I talk to people about this all the time. Like the people that we are closest to, especially like in a workplace environment, we have a tendency to judge them based on our limited experience with them. And we, in our own minds, we limit their knowledge, their capabilities. We marginalize them. Um, and that that's a lot of, I think, you know, these relationships. And then suddenly something happens and it forces you to see that person in a completely different light. And you have to engage with them, you know, it, in a different way. It, it changes the system, you know, the way that people relate. And this is just like such a demarcation point in the relationship between between Jesus and the disciples, you know, that's like, oh, we can't really go back to Jesus as our the but our buddy. You know, we we've seen too much for that for us to ever relate to him that same way. At least that's kinda of how I interpret it. Is that am I close? I think so. I think the only piece of that to add to that is though it's the time between this moment, if I am understanding the timeline correctly, the time between this moment and his death is merely a couple of weeks. Yeah. And so they don't have a time to fully process the significance of this. Right, right. You know, it's if I like I said, if I get it right, it's like at most at minimum, at the least, it could be up to at about two weeks or it could be maybe a month. Somewhere in that area, it's not long because he's after this, he's heading to Jerusalem to be crucified. And so, yeah, it's just such a significant moment. It, it clear, clearly deeply affected the, the apostles. Uh, you know, Peter quotes this in his in his in his epistle, second, second Peter, saying how this. This is this is this was a moment where we know for sure that Jesus was not like everybody else, where we saw his glory, we saw his majesty, we heard the voice saying, this is my son. It's like, well, you didn't figure that out beforehand? Well, no, but now you do. It's clear. He's not like anybody else. So when you experience something like that, how are you supposed to respond? I mean, Peter didn't get it right, but thank God for Peter, literally, you know. It's almost like he is the, he was set up to, if you ever watch like workout videos, occasionally they'll have like a cast and that one cast member will intentionally do something wrong so that the coach can say, oh, I need to correct you. But the correction is really not for that person. It's for everybody else. So they can say. He's the negative example. Yeah, like, oh, I need yeah. to reflect. Maybe that's what I'm doing. In fact, that's what I get oftentimes from messages is that, and it's not like I need to be admonished, but but the, the negative um, relationship where you may share something and I'll go, gosh, I really wish so-and-so was here to hear this. And then I go, oh, no, that's me. Hold on a second. And it turns right back and I go, okay, okay. I need to reflect on that. I need to process, process this a bit. I, I need to see myself in the mirror. And, and so Peter, you know, I think does that really well. He does. You he know? does. He's the object lessons so much for all of us. 
of in so many ways and we in this but here's yet another one where 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 the disciples see something and they didn't quite get it it's in the moment and i and i kind of made that point i did make that point in the sermon i always thought and and maybe maybe many of our listeners did too that he was just completely out to lunch on why he wanted to build shelters um but that's not the case he actually was almost right he was thinking on the right lines and it's it it's taken me a very long time to to see the connections of why he was thinking about tabernacles why was he thinking about that is because they're living in the presence of god here and he's like oh which connects to the whole feast which connects back to eden which i didn't realize until probably eight years ago this that the image of eden was living in the presence of god and worship and and so that's how all these things connect and it's like oh peter you were so close right well in context you know the tabernacle was where god lived and recognizing that christ is god well he should have a place to live you know right. a, a, according to um you know all that stuff and it's at the end of exodus and going into mm-hmm. you know here's how the things are built and here's the dimensions and and that kind of stuff um where do you th- i mean did he get off track because partly because he's including it was Elijah and um, Moses and Moses because they don't live in the tabernacle. That's not where they're called to be. And I don't know. I mean, that was the first thing I thought of. I no, I think those two are simply representing the, 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 the pinnacle of the two offices. Um, one, okay. the lawgiver and Moses in Moses. And then Elijah is the pinnacle of, of, um, uh, of the prophets. Both of them met God on Sinai. Both of them had, odd deaths yeah we don't know where moses was buried that sort of thing um both both of them in different ways saw the glory of god no i think there is i think his issue is timing i think that's something that plays out in multiple cases if you look carefully at the text i think that's part of the g his problem with not understanding why jesus had to suffer is because their understanding was not the, that the Messiah would would come twice, but he would come once, and he would bring glory. He would he would he would he would bring the people of God live, to live in the presence of God, and he would deal with all these horrible Gentile nations. That that would all happen at the same moment, and we all know that now. That no 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 no, that's two times. He separates that out, but we didn't. But he didn't get that. So he thought, oh, you're starting that now. Okay, I think that's what I think is happening. There's a lot. He had a problem with with Jesus being crucified. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what you're supposed to do. Do you think that the transfiguration kind of amped up the expectation amongst the apostles that made the crucifixion that much more devastating? Possible, yeah. Yeah, it's very possible. It's certainly... It's interesting to think that to lay those two events side by side, you know, this battered, abused man on the cross with this one who is displaying divinity just a mere weeks ahead before that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, this is a terrible analogy. I'm going to use it anyway. But I, rem- um, I grew up 
being a Seattle Seahawks fan, and I blame my dad for that because when I was five, he gave me a I'm Seattle. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Gave me a Seattle Seahawks football, and I didn't understand that they'd never won. I didn't understand they were new, whatever. But I remember um, when they were in the Super Bowl and and thinking, oh, wow, I'm going to see them win the Super Bowl. This is going to be amazing. I've waited all my life for this thing to happen. <laughs> but uh, and, and then they didn't win, and they lost the last minute, last second, last play of the game. And, and my it was just, Steelers. Shut up. Um, they eventually, they eventually won, but, um, but it was. I would say they deserved to win, but go ahead. It's this expectation up here, and then the floor dropping out, and you know, it's one thing if you're like, we shouldn't be here, and you know that we shouldn't be here, and it doesn't work out, and you're like, yeah, hey, we didn't figure it's going to work out anyway. It's almost like you have to have that transfiguration there to reinforce the desperate expectation of these people that here we've been looking for you, Jesus. And now you have just told us, you've just shown us who you are and mm -hmm. like, we can start celebrating now. Right. And then it's, I'm just going to cut the legs out from underneath you. You know, you, you think about Thomas and I, I'm, I love Thomas, you know, because, yeah. you know, he's in his head way too much. And, you know, the devastation of... Their uh, expectations were sky high. Yeah. And it feels like this demonstration of glory really is like, you know, you have to have that to understand he's God. You have to have that. And it also really with that juxtaposition of the, 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 the terrible death to go reinforces his um, humanity. And then it's, a, it's the, it's perfect writing, you know? Yeah. My hero's going to win. Oh no, my hero is dead. Oh, my hero won. I mean, that's if, 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 yeah. if I were an English professor or whatever, you'd be like, yes, this is wow. What a great um, story. Just right. as, from a literary standpoint. Right. Uh, you think God might know something about it, you know? <laughs> he's a great storyteller. <laughs> he is. He's 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 creative. Um, but uh, I, I, I've kind of taken us all over the place. What were some things that you wanted to make sure that we had a chance to cover today? You know, I just, again, there's so many things I could go through, but I want to make sure I that, that, the, that the Eden connection and why, why did I get to, how did I, how do you get to shame from this text? Yeah. Which I yeah. I don't think is very obvious, and maybe I need to make sure it's clear again. That would be good because, you know, I uh, shame is one of those things that resonates with me. You know, because I've I in my life I have seen how it is used to tear people down. It's devastating. It ruins it is. your life, and and, it, and shame is used in ways. Uh, almost as the antithesis of love, you know, mm -hmm. instead of loving you to encourage you to be better, I will shame you to encourage you to, or to discourage you to not do bad. You know, it's like one 
is lifting and one is pushing down from a motivational standpoint. And the difference is that shame creates an identity. Um, although, and I'll let you get to your bit because it's your job. But, um, you know, I there's cultural shame that exists in where a culture communicates that you are outside of the cultural norm. And it's, from a community standpoint, is intended to bring you back into alignment. Mm-hmm. But there's, but but the but but the shame that's not around that is what I you know changes your identity in a very negative negative way. So I just wanted to share that and go ahead. The significance of shame, yeah, and yeah. it's and it, and and we overlook that in the Bible too, the issue of shame. But so let me try, and and if it doesn't make sense. Tell me. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So this text, what's happening in this in this spot here is is you have Jesus showing who he actually is. And there's there's nothing hidden. Um, and what makes him glorious is that he has no sin that he you know that I mean, yes, he's divine. But there's also the fact that he's there's nothing that would cause shame in him. There's no nothing to shame. Right. In him. Right. OK. There's no ammunition. Uh, there's nothing. There's yeah. nothing there. And so there, that's where the issue, that, that's where there's the naked ish, naked and glorious in, in his nakedness. Um, and I don't mean physically, of course. Right, right. And so, and then you have this piece of the tabernacle and, it, and what it get with that is getting at is, is humanity is meant to live in the presence of God. That's, we're meant to, that's what Eden was all about is living you know, where we can see God and talk to him in the cool of the day. And and back then, there was nothing to be ashamed for. Genesis 2.25, they were both naked and unashamed. There was nothing to be ashamed of. Now, when Jesus comes back, we get to be fully clothed with him, with his righteousness, with his holiness. We and John 17 says we actually get to share in his glory. And so this 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 moment of seeing Jesus as he is with no shame, that's also a picture of us. Because when yeah. we live in that, we're gonna be like him. We're gonna be like Jesus with nothing. We're gonna be back to the Garden of Eden. We're gonna be back to, to living the way we were originally intended. And that there that's why there's no shame. Does that so, make sense? Yeah. So let me, let me, here's what this made me think of. This is going to, again, me and my analogies. So um, uh, probably 88, 1988, my sister and mom, dad, and brother, we're all going to go see Air Supply in Billings, Montana. Boy, Seahawks and Air Supply. Yeah. Lost okay. in love. And, anyway. Um, and she, um, uh, cut out like she she went out the window and was messing around with friends. I think they went out drinking or whatever. You know, she was only sixteen, and she got busted, and she was really looking forward to the concert, and she didn't get to go uh, because she did something that was outside of what was appropriate. It was you know, um, and so it like in today's world, it would be like if. She got in trouble and then everybody went and then they took all these photos and said, this is where you could be. Mm. You should be here, but for this. And I wonder from a shame perspective, it's like the transfiguration is saying, were it not for Eden, 
this is where you would be right now. Yeah. Is that a little bit of what you're saying? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. But it, but the beautiful thing, but it's also where you're headed. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and I wanted to, I was very careful not to, I did not want to tell people that they, um, I didn't want to shame people in telling them that they shouldn't have to have shame right now. If that makes sense. It does. It's basically, if you're feeling shame for whatever reason, don't feel bad about, you know, it's not a, I don't want you to feel shame. You don't need to feel shame, but don't about be feeling shame. Sh- yeah. If you feel bad, don't feel bad about feeling bad. You know, it's right. like, don't feel bad about being depressed, you know? Right. It, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. And so I just wanted to offer them the hope of that. This is where you're coming. And this is what Peter, again, this is what Peter's thinking is this moment is what he's ushering into, but the timing's not right and it's not yet for us either. So, but it, it will come. And then this is, this is the hard thing. And I know we don't have a lot of time, but it's like, on one hand, we know that before our true judge, which is not the culture, which is not ourselves, which is not our friends and family are the one person who actually judges us, which is God, the father and the, and, and his son, Jesus there's nothing to be ashamed of. We don't have, we don't have that, but we still feel it. We still, and so there's this cognitive dissonance where we know what's true, but we don't live that way. And how do we bridge that gap? How do we, do you have any thoughts about that? How, How can we, you know, like, like feeling forgiven, knowing we're forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so many things about faith that seem to tell you two different things at the same time. And they're both true. And that's, you know, uh, Vanessa's the term for the work that she does dialectic, that two seeming things that are seemingly opposition can in opposition can occur at the same time. You know, you are a sinner and you are forgiven. Um, you know, uh, th- that it's okay to acknowledge that we fall short, but it doesn't define us. Mm-hmm. Try not to let that define you and instead, you know, allow the your identity as a child of God who is loved define you. And, yeah. you know, like when you get grounded, it's you know, recognizing that you did something that you shouldn't have done, it doesn't mean your parents don't love you. And it's a temporary existence. And, um, you know, so recognize uh, I've fallen short and that's not who I am. I think, you know, so much about shame is about identity. Yeah. Not that you've done bad, but you are bad. Right. And, And you're not. You know, you are and you're not. Isn't that terrible? It's like... I know. It, it, but it, by the way, there's a famous line just so you if, with with uh, Martin Luther, very famous theological line: simultaneously righteous and sinner. Right. Sim, yeah. It, there's a Latin phrase: simul precar. I don't. Know, I can't remember it. Yeah, but it, or we were talking, or to go back to the beginning, glory and cross. How do those two things mm-hmm. fit together? Right. Yeah, it's, I think that, 
that there's uh, the accepting that God and man glory and this terrible death. I mean, there's all of these remarkable um, forces, elements that are in opposition and yet exist at the same time. So mm-hmm. your existence as a sinner and as a most beloved child, these are this, these occur at the same time. And in each of these cases, the, the, the best possible scenario is a promise to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the best part of that, you know, that there's Jesus is God and here's his terrible death, but he's God. And there is you're loved, you're a sinner, and ultimately you are loved. I mean, that if if you look at these opposing forces, you in Christ are always on the, the best side of that in at the end of the story. Yeah, I think that's. That, to me, going back to your question, is kind of where I go when I start to feel despair over certain things. Is like, if I can just remember what the end of the story is, I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to talk about hope for the next couple of, we- couple of weeks. Actually, about a month. We're right. going to be talking about hope. And this week, and this, the first couple, three are going to be the foundations of hope. Yeah. All right. Going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right, folks, we're going to wrap it up this evening. It's, uh, it's nacho night, nacho, nacho night. So I'll be heading over to the local Mexican food restaurant to pick up some nachos and then we're going to hang out and watch some TV. Maybe Cruella. Just maybe. Just maybe. All right, folks, have a great week. See you on Sunday. Hope you join us for the service.